Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Smaller Hunting Podcast. On this episode, I'm just going to kind of discuss early season hunting, but more importantly, how do I go about tackling it and how to kill a good buck in the early season? That's the question. Let's unpack it a little bit in this episode of the Smaller Hunting Podcast. You are listening to the Small Liquor Hunting Podcast, the hunting podcast that is free of advertisements, bought and paid for opinions, and minutes and minutes of sponsorships. If that's what you want, there's a plethora of other podcasts out there. Here, we're going to talk openly, we're going to talk honestly, and we're going to live in the real world, free of sponsorships and paid for advertisements and opinions that are governed and dictated by them that sounds interesting stay tuned for this episode of the small lake hunting podcast all right so this question's actually prompted every year in some capacity or some fashion it comes up on a forum a post in an email and a private message somebody's gonna ask me you know ty it, it kind of comes in a different way or wording every single year but it, it encircles the same type of a topic how do i go about the early season hunting or how do i target and kill a good buck in the early season well you know the question was posed how do i kill a good buck in early season um in a forum that i'm a part of and you know it made me really think is it's too general of a question if you're sitting there wondering, you know, how to go about this or, or what are some early season tactics that Ty uses, well, you know, it depends on property to property, on location to location, and deer to deer. There's vastly too many differences in property makeups, elevation contours, uh, entrance and exit routes in and out, even year-to-year changes of the agricultural picture around a property or even the deer specific that you are targeting might change its tendencies as it gets older and aged. It's not just as simple as you have photos of a big buck. Maybe you even have photos of a big buck in the morning. Maybe he's returning to a bed, you suspect, or maybe evening and it's in killable time and it's seven days before the season, there's so many different variables that it's too hard to say. And it's not just as simple as you have a picture, so go in and hunt. I understand the logic of you can't catch a fish without casting a line. But you gotta have a good spot worth casting the line, if that makes sense. I'm not gonna risk ruining my property. And you're listening to small acre hunting, and which means you most likely hunt smaller type properties, or you believe there's value in being able to, or something attracted you to this maybe it's just the fact that i'm more of a a, just just i am nothing special i am not better than a single person listening to this and most likely the vast majority of you listening to this 
arguably have more land to hunt than I do. Many of my listeners, many of the people that reach out to me have better or bigger properties than I do. I've had the uphill climb of hunting normal type places with tons of headaches, tons of issues, tons of trespassing. So maybe I do overthink this a little bit because I have a lot of factors working against me. And the smaller your property is, I think the more questions you have to ask and the more variables you have to have in place in order to make hunting the early season, opening day, opening weekend, something that you should do. Because, yes, it is a very lethal and deadly time frame to, in our favor, to kill a mature buck. They're still kind of in their summer feeding patterns. They've shifted to their fall ranges because they're typically hard-boned at this time unless you have an early season um, opener. You know, most of us open up end of September, early October in the Midwest. And by this time, they're in their fall areas or they're transitioning to them, but they're still focusing predominantly on fattening up, getting food in their belly, starting to begin to set their parameters of their fall turf, if you will. Their tendencies and the factors which dictate where and how they traverse a property, where and how they like to go bed on properties, can start to be tracked. And especially as a deer gets older and they cross into that four and five-year-old range, getting into the six and seven, they really can begin to be what we call a homebody buck. And to me, a homebody buck in the early season is one of the best times to kill that mature deer is the early season. But a lot of things have to be in place. You've got to have historical data which points and references multiple factors that would indicate that they're going to be in an area that you have a high probability of success worth going in when it's most likely a little warmer than normal. It's earlier. They're not going to be as receptive and responsive to calling. They're not seeking. They're not moving and traversing as much. So you're having to get in closer to them than you normally would have to do. Because you're going to be hunting their midday travel, their last bit of the morning travel, or their first bit of the evening travel during killable time. So you got to be getting in closer to them, which you're, means you're risking a decent amount. And you've got to know that everything is in line. You've got to have a good entrance, a good exit. You've got to have a foolproof plan in place. And you've got to have multiple factors in order for this success to play out. I share oftentimes, I go back to the fact, I bought my property in 2016, the property that I own now, and a lot of things have changed since then. I'm not going to rehash all those. A lot of you guys have listened. I've had tons of development, tons of trespassing. I'm losing areas around the property left and right, it seems like, every year. And eventually, this property is going to be an isolated island that is not going to be conducive to deer, to a good number of deer I should say and it's not going to have the traversing effect because it's more urban setting and once you choke off and you don't have those lines of travel for deer to travel through your property and get to and from places you don't have that traversal herd um, that's using and coming and going off your property so eventually my property I think will be a deer desert but right now it's not but I bought my property in 2016 I did not hunt early season. 
Um, even though I had really good activity, I did not have a buck hammered down um, with historical data because I didn't even have a I didn't even have the previous year's worth of data. So I wasn't going to risk a ton of sits early season with the intent of killing a mature buck. Now I did set I think once or twice in early October then, but it was foolproof entrance and exits. It was low probability at that time I thought um it just was very low expectation type of a situation 2017 I started having historical data based on trail cam pictures from the previous year previous fall plus my hunting observations did not hunt anything early season in 2017 I focused my attention elsewhere went and chased antlerless deer elsewhere maybe bucks elsewhere did not hunt anywhere in there now I had some good bucks 2018 rolls around and I knew the bedding preferences of this deer with certain wind conditions. He had a high probability of bedding in a certain location. He, he did this consistently from the time he would transition back to the property around March, April, or May in that time frame. And he would spring, summer, and he would be there fall, and he'd be there early winter. He'd usually leave, it seemed to be, his 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 activity level on the property would start to drop in mid to late December and he would overwinter elsewhere predominantly he would still come through the property maybe once a week once every other week but it wasn't the consistent nature of living there and like getting photos of him if not every day nearly every day of a week on my 23 acres I also had a correlation of a certain bed that he liked to hook into with the wind in his favor where he could hook around an edge where he knew there was no activity coming from one direction because of a fence and then building structures. And that wind was not conducive if it was directly south or southwest, east, southeast, and southeast maybe were the two winds that I could hunt that prop that that stand location to where he had a decent probability it seemed like according to tendencies to choose the bed which would lead him in the evening if he chose to go south instead of east there was two options for him out of that bed if he went south I would kill him if he went east I would not there's a chance if he went east I wouldn't even see him depending on which path he would take so the first factor I had to have to be able to hunt this deer early season, even though I knew exactly where he was bedding, it was impossible to get and shoot him in his bed because the time frame of which he would return to his bed was always so early that it made it futile to even attempt it. So I wasn't going to. That's mistake number one that a lot of guys take is they go in and hope that deer messes up and comes in late well if he hasn't shown or exhibited a tendency of doing that i'm not banking on one day out of the entire year that he does that the day that i go in and hunt him in a manner of which i'm hoping he makes a mistake no i'm hoping he stays consistent and i've done my due diligence to capitalize upon it and harvest that animal so just getting the wind is just one factor for this specific year and this specific buck, which was Cicero, for those that are paying attention, many of you guys probably already know which buck I'm talking about. Um, 
I needed preferably a southeast wind or east-southeast, but I didn't just need a wind. I needed it to be a pre-dawn wind of that nature, and I needed it to be a sustained wind as aggressive as it possibly could be. I really like eight miles an hour or more predicted wind. And I am not fearful if it's 20, 25 miles an hour. I have no fear of wind at all. I have not seen an issue with the deer movement because of wind. Now, I'm sure if it gets up into like tornado, tsunami, hurricane type winds, 40 plus, yes, there might be something there. I, I have not, I have shot a ton of good bucks that I am extremely happy with in 12, 15, 20, 25, 30 mile an hour gust type days over the years. I got a sustained pre dawn east, southeast, and southeast winds predicted of decent clipping. It wasn't a very aggressive wind. But it wasn't a bad one. It wasn't like a calm and, calm and light and variable. It wasn't a 3 to 5. If I remember right, it was 5 to 10, somewhere in there. So I got that. But knowing the proximity and, and, and isolating his betting options into a 2-acre area, knowing from preseason scouting in the winter months of where the preferred betting areas is and putting myself in his his hooves or in his feet or however you want to say it in his shoes I knew kind of where the most likely spots were for him to bed and some of them were as close as 40 45 50 yards from my stand now I had a lot of sight blocking behind my stand which would be the direction of his bed it was a thick hedgerow that I would be walking into so visibility sight wise as long as I took my time did not rush, did not do any crazy movements. I felt confident I could get up the stand just from a sight perspective. Noah's perspective was already covered because of the, the wind would be slightly in his favor to come to me, but not in his favor to smell me, given the fact that there was an east clip. I needed it to be windy, would help cover sound of entry but so would wetness well i had rain move in i had a front move in that was rain another factor i just mentioned a front i need a frontal system i need a barometric pressure switch that seems to trigger movement over the years we've noticed this it's just one more tool in the tool belt that seems to indicate or correlate with deer movement increasing and i had a temperature swing a temperature swing front I don't just need a temperature swing front. A front in weather patterns just even slightly can sometimes cause me to climb a stand when I otherwise wouldn't. But you mix in a decent temperature swing, and now you got my attention even more. It's another factor. That that front is... is the, the influence of that front upon me wanting to hunt or factor in increases exponentially when there's a 5 to 10 degree temperature swing with it that hit to make things even better one of the things that i like early season and really at any point in time is when i'm hunting an edge or an opening where the where the tree canopy cover breaks i need 
or would like cloudy weather. Reason for this is, especially if a deer is bedded in an area that has decent to thick canopy cover, it's going to get darker inside of there quicker with more cloud cover than it would on other days. And yet I still, everybody knows, even though the cloud cover comes in and it gets darker in there, in the open areas, you still have a good amount of light that is lethal light, legal light, and you might be able to get the deer up five minutes, 10 minutes earlier than you would if it was clear because there'd be more light, they wouldn't think it's as late, and they wouldn't be prompted to get up out of their bed as early. That happened. So I have all these various factors, okay? And I have a solid entrance and exit to a stand that's high probability likelihood of being able to kill this deer if he chooses the south route out of his bed. If I didn't have all of those factors, or at least all but maybe one, and the one would have to be, you know, the wind is non-negotiable, to be honest, the moisture is non-negotiable because I cannot have my entrance disrupted or my entrance noticed by him. Really, the one thing that I would be willing to work with possibly is the temperature swing that didn't, if it didn't happen, but everything else is pointing the right direction, I may risk it. But everything was in my favor. I felt like I could get in, get out, even if I didn't get a shot and that deer would have no clue I was there. I hunt that deer. It was either, I, I want to say it was October 4th or 5th. It was something like that. Shoot that deer at nine yards from my stand. Might have even been seven or eight. I mean, he was close. I never really did range it then after, but he was a, he was the closest that he could possibly be. I had to stand up. He was so close because there was hedgerow blocking my visibility of him. He got so close to the tree line. Ended up being my, my biggest grossing deer ever. But if you want to, if you really want to target bucks and the top 10, 15% of the bucks in early season, these are just some of the factors that you have to take into consideration. It's not always worth it just going in and saying, I've got, you know, so many days to hunt. And I get that mentality. But if you're serious, and that's what you've got to answer yourself, everything's relative to your goals, your expectations, and the property that you're hunting, yes. You've got to be willing to, you know, do you want to kill the top 10, 15% of the bucks in your area? And if your answer is yes, there are things and decisions that you have to make that then fall from there. And one is, you don't just hunt because you can hunt a location. You hunt when the, that stand has the highest probability, with all factors considered, of harvesting a buck on that night. And you're not educating the deer for future nights. The fallout effect and the story that you leave behind is something that you all have heard me harp on time and time and time again. And it's something that you cannot overlook and you can't just throw caution to the wind. Every year, I have people either write in me or friends of mine that send me pictures around this time of year, just for reference. It's, it's September 13th when I'm recording this. It's either going to be September 13th or the 14th when this goes live of 2022. Mid-September, seasons start opening up around here. Reduction zones start opening up the 15th if you have them in Indiana. 
or area areas around me. Some guys have been hunting Kentucky, um, but early October is when a lot of the states open. And I have guys that every year they get stupid and they push the envelope and they push in and a buck that they really wanted to harvest. They had tons of pictures of disappears because of their actions, because of their activity. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Um, You've got to be willing. If chasing specific bucks or good bucks, mature bucks, however you want to define that, your decision process has to start to change. If you just want to hunt to enjoy hunting and hunt and it doesn't matter, then go for it because then it doesn't matter. But you're probably not listening to this podcast if that's the case. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. So early season, some of the things, those are, you know, I kind of laid out that story. But what are some of the things that I'm doing right this minute? I'm going to be honest with everybody listening. A lot of the people listening know I'm behind the eight ball when it comes to planning because my job and life and discouragement of factors around my hunting properties and just in general have not allowed me to dive into hunting like I used to. We all have different seasons. You know, a lot of guys will joke and poke and make fun when I comment on forums about, you know, professional hunters swoop in and try to tell us how to hunt. I'm not a professional hunter. Dear Lord, I'm not a professional hunter. If I was, I wouldn't have the issues I have and I wouldn't have the headaches that I have and I would be able to make hunting content and videos far more than I do. And, you know, it comes and goes in seasons. And right now I'm in a season where I just, when I do have the time, I don't have the drive. Um, but what I'm doing right now is here in the coming days, I'm going to be looking for a thunderstorm. That thunderstorm is going to allow me the cover to go check trail cameras. However, I don't run nearly as many as I used to, but knowing the properties that I have, I only have one new property to me and that's Pops's river bottom property that we're still trying to learn and decipher. Um, and he's kind of running that property as far as cameras and such go. But I'm going to go get my main cameras. I'll probably hang a couple too because there's been a couple deals lately that I actually grabbed two cameras today from Browning, some lightning deal they did, on models of camera that I, I don't necessarily enjoy the battery placement or the, the way the card goes in and out. But for the deal and the price, cannot be beat. Um, not sponsored by them. Just a good deal. Go to Browning uh, Trail Cameras on Facebook. I think it was a Facebook ad that I actually clicked on, but like a $140 camera you can get for like $80. Bucks. Um, bought two of them. Don't tell my wife. Uh, my umpiring check from last week is going to cover them. <laughs> but uh, I will wait for this storm, and I will go out, and that's a lot of my preseason reconning will occur. I have not checked trail cameras all summer long except for a couple. And I'm going to be honest. They're not in locations where I expected to get confirmation of big buck life or anything like that to the point where I could discern whether, you know, High Rise was living where he used to, Bertier was living where he used to. Yes, he still lives as far as I know. Um, other properties, there's a giant, there's, there's a really big 10 that I'm, 
I'd love to see again. There's a big eight. Um, there's a couple of deer that I won't even talk about, but I will begin to figure out if there are certain locations that I feel like I would have a high probability or a good probability of a mature buck in a given location. And if the answer is yes, then those locations will have to go through this litmus test that I kind of walked through. And if everything points to yes, I will go in and hunt that deer early. If not, I'm going to hunt all my other locations. I'm going to hunt other stands. I'm going to do observation sets. I'm going to try to target antlerless deer, things of that nature. So I don't jeopardize my chance of tagging a buck because I'm a mixture of both. I love to kill deer. I love to eat venison and I love to chase mature bucks. The top 10, 15% of my, the bucks in my area is kind of always my goal. So that is my plan of attack. I'm going to use a storm to cover a lot of the scent issues when it comes to checking trail cameras. I won't do it at dusk or dawn. I'll try to do it midday or at dark, um, depending on the torrential. If it's a really torrential downpour, I'll check anytime because a, a just raining cats and dog type of a situation, most of the time I see deer wait and move right before and right after. So I'll go during. But I'll hang a couple cameras, get confirmation of certain information and intel on properties. Now you have to remember, these are properties that I'm very familiar with. And the one advantage to small properties are the questions of if a deer is here on this camera at this time, backtracking them and answering questions of where they were from, what they were doing, where they were going, what are they eating, what are they targeting. There's less answers to those questions. And as you learn a property, you learn to eliminate some of those. So I have the advantage of a lot of historical data and observations on these properties that I'm speaking to. You build that over time. It doesn't happen overnight. That's my plan of attack. I think the likelihood of me having a buck I'm willing to go in after early season with a very pinpoint plan is pretty minimally. I can think of three bucks that I might do that on. And it's on two different properties actually. But that's how you kill an early season buck. And sometimes the best way to kill an early season buck is by not hunting him this year. By collecting data. Collecting points of observation. Making correlations. And planning for the future. It's just true. There's no way around it. There's no trick to it all. Sometimes it is true that the best things come to those who wait. And in this case, plan and observe and track and record. <laughs> so that's all I have for this episode. That's me and my ramblings and giving you an example of early season and what made me move in on that specific date. If you want to hear more about that story, you can actually listen to a podcast that I was on the Habitat podcast way back when, when they first got started. Um, just google ty miller habitat podcast something like that um cicero may be a keyword in there um you can listen to me share that whole story it's a game plan episode i actually was on their podcast i don't even know a few episodes prior to that and then i ended up killing cicero so it was a pretty cool year 
um, outline some stuff on there. I share the entire story of it. Um, I'm, I go into more detail in some aspects, less deal th- detail than I did here probably in some other aspects, but it's still worth a listen. That's all I have for this episode of the Smaller Corona Podcast. Again, like always, if this is something that you enjoy and you enjoy consuming, it does my heart good to hear from you. Email me, comment, let me know that, hey, We'd love to hear more from you, Ty. Um, I don't get paid for any of this. This is all self-funded. I don't do advertising. I don't do sponsorships. So just you encouraging me to produce more content, honestly, is probably going to be what drives me in the sense to produce more content. I'm not going to lie. Selfish motivation, affirmation, whatever you want to call it, I, I think it would help. So I'm hoping to get the drive to produce more and more. I have a lot to say. I have a lot to share. And I have a lot of success uh, by the grace of God that he's bestowed. And I, and I think I think a lot of people can learn from it. So I need to get in the habit. I need to get back into the swing of things to produce content. Because I think there's many of you out there that have expressed that you, you love to hear my observations and my thoughts for whatever or why. I have no idea. But I think it does help one or two. And if it does help one or two of you get closer to your dreams this fall and the happy end of a blood trail, God, that's all that, 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 that is amazing. That there's nothing quite like getting a message or an email saying I had success with my food plots or look at this deer that I harvested. Oh, so sweet to see those words come in and I love it every fall. So God bless. And good luck out there.